真古的秀。Hey folks, it's we'll see you in hell. It's the podcast about movies, just movies anymore. You know, used to be horror and sci-fi and fantasy. Now it, you know, these other genres have been creeping in. Why? Why do we don't put baby in a corner? That's right. Uh, I'm here Jennifer with Jennifer Gray, Jennifer Gray Skies, uh, Patty Sways, Patty Sways, R.I.P. How did Jennifer feel when she heard Patrick Swayze died? Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Gray. Hmm. Kind of <laughs> just sad, really. That's what's sad. Is Con's <laughs> slapping me in the head with its tail. His asshole is right in your face. What I, what I needed after a long day. Joe's moved into somehow the, more, the most exclusive parking center in all of Los Angeles. You can find a spot in Beverly Hills faster than around here. I can't believe there's no parking around here. I finally find a spot and it's like no parking from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. It's just like an abandoned spot under a tree somewhere. Good boy. I'm like, okay, go up to Sunset, can't park here 6 to 8. What time is it? 6.49. Jesus Christ. Tired You're having it. a hell of a day. Tired of it. Pat's Look having... I to work. I mean, does that tell you anything? <laughs> this is what I wore to work. Pat is dressed like uh, Roseanne on the in the early seasons. <laughs> yeah, like pilot episode. <laughs> Sweatpants, hoodie. It's dark. Uh, it's I, dark. I want you... Look, let's not discuss it on the show, but I, I'm sure. concerned about you. I'm concerned about myself. I mean that sincerely. Pat and I almost... The testament to our friendship, we... We had a text exchange today that would have two years ago come turned into a fucking World War Three, but uh, True. dissolved, diffused very quickly with both of us almost saying "I love you" to one another. <laughs> well, I just uh, you know I confessed to Joe. I was like, "Look, until you texted me, I was unaware what day of the week it was. <laughs> so, like, forgive me if my uh, scheduling's a little hazy. I've been up about forty-eight hours." I almost went to the Red Bull today, but I knew I would just wind up feeling even shittier, so I didn't do it. My entire room is ill. There's no one there. Um, it's falling apart. Jesus Christ. All to get a multicam on the air, you know? That's exactly right. It's exactly like, right. It's like the people in the White House aren't this stressed. That's that's honestly true, it, and it could be so easy. Uh, At the uh, end of the day, it's that the people holding the strings have a fundamental lack of understanding about why people watch television but let me leave it at that fair enough um fair enough i'm not talking about <laughs> i'm gonna get off this topic uh folks let's get on with the show if we could and at the same time on with the joe man <laughs> terrible one all right, it's okay. It can't all be, you know. Just a terrible one. I don't hate it. Uh, Scooter's gone. That's new in my life. Uh, so, now tell me about that. Is this Scooter's something you can gone. talk about? Because I know you were, you were starting to rant about it the other night. I was excited about this scooter. I bought it. 
called the shop when I bought it, said, I don't need a driver's license, right? Because yeah. my license has expired, and I'm having a hard time getting in for a test for a new one. Repeatedly. Yes, yeah, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Buy this thing. Wheeling all over fucking town in this thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a little th- space on the back that looks like it's for a license plate. So I called the manufacturer today. They go, are you guys are you supposed to send me a license plate for something for this thing? They're like, no, 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 no. You got to go get that yourself when you register it. I go, register it? I thought you didn't have to register this thing. He's right. like, no, you got to register it. Why wouldn't you have to register it? And I was like, well, you don't need a license to drive it. And he's like, what are you talking about? You need uh-huh. a license. Long story short, I find out, that, yeah, this thing is not a fucking... They told me at the dealership that it was classified as an e-bike, even though it didn't have pedals. It's not. It's actually considered uh, uh, a moped, which is a level above scooter. So I look up maximum penalty for driving without a license in, in L.A., yeah. six months in jail. Whoa. Yeah. So you could have been arrested. Yeah. So yeah. I call the place. I'm like, guys, you sold me this thing. You told me I didn't need a license. I'm driving around all over the place. I could have literally went to jail. Do you yeah. realize that? And with with I will say this, with very little uh, pushback, they gave me my money back. They had a strict okay. no returns policy. Uh, I got into a little bit with it. I got into it a little bit with the woman that had sold me the bike because she was kind of doing the whole like, well, I thought you meant motorcycle light. I'm like, you didn't think that I meant that. Yeah. I gave you an expired driver's license and you let me test drive it. She's yeah. like, well, for a test drive, sure. It's like, you can't test drive anything with an expired license. That's not how this works. Right. So um, the uh, she then kind of, in a roundabout way put me I thought she was giving me the runaround she gave me the owner of the shop's email and I'm like you gotta be kidding me man she won't even give me his number yeah but I lo and behold I emailed the guy he called me back within minutes okay was apologetic okay called me later again that day he's like I'm just gonna give you your money back came today did the the refund over the phone right in the lot there and rode off with the scooter beautiful so you know nothing lost nothing gained it was it was you know I got to ride a scooter for free for a month. Right. And that's where we're at. Now, I don't know what the statute of limitations on this crime is. So people, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if your brother or your husband is a cop or your, your mom or your aunt or whoever, yeah. don't go blabbing about what I did, you know? Right. I, gotta, I don't want to have to fly to Bermuda until this thing blows over. Um, I guess I can just take us over to Pat's movie corner. That's, this, is a, this is a broken man. Folks, I should tell you, <laughs> we're. Uh, it took me about an hour to be able to form sentences today, so I understand. You're lucky. You're, lucky you're getting what you're getting. Listen, I understand. Uh, I've seen all these movies. They're all like pre-Christmas. I feel like, but I'm just like getting to them now. Um, what did I watch? What, well, you know what I watched the other day, Joe. It's what you talked about last week. UHF, starring Weird Al Yankovic. Um, well, A, after after Joe and I wrapped here last Friday, we had a great hang and watched that Harvey Leeds uh, State of Shock video by Weird Al that Joe had told me about. I I screamed laughing. (laughs) I had a great time with it. And I also watched the John Candy Food Repair 
which I found hilarious as well. Yeah. Then we watched another sketch where John Candy just basically beat the shit out of Gilda Radner <laughs> for five minutes, and that sketch was hilarious. <laughs> Wait, what was the purpose of that? They were like, they were, oh, it was mailmen. She went yeah. to the post office, and she didn't put a return address on her package. Correct. And she's like, why can't I just send it? And like they take Dave Thomas takes her in the back and he's like, it's time to play good postman, bad postman. John Candy comes in as bad postman. Yeah, he's like throwing her into these boxes. And God bless Gilda Radner. You could see in the sketch, it was like she's sick. It's towards the end of her life. Yeah. And she's still doing these pratfalls and everything. She was, she was very funny in it as well. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, never, never a good movie career though, you know, like she never even found one vehicle that was a good movie for her. I feel like she didn't get a much of a shot, right? I mean, she did set, I mean, Haunted Honeymoon, Hanky Panky, uh, you know, she did pictures. Oh uh, yeah. I guess those, those, that did go on for about a decade. Those Gene, uh, Gene Wilder ones. And I mean, none of them were any good. They never really gave her anything funny. Uh, any hoot UHF. Um, while it did make me laugh out loud as much as it did when I was a kid, let's say, uh, it's just a very charming movie. Yeah. And the whole, you know, it's not just a collection of sketches, which would I, you know, I think have bored me, but like the story where he just picks up all these misfits and they all get their little moment of triumph in the end. They're all bullied in some terrible way throughout the film and they all get their triumph in the end. You know, it, it shows the heart behind the hair, if you will. Weird Al has a very sweet side. Um, Billy Barty is great in it, mm-hmm. you know, getting his revenge. Michael Richards, I forgot, you know, they wouldn't allow that performance today. I forgot that he was basically playing a mentally handicapped person, which I didn't think of him as that as a kid. Right. But it's, you know, it's clear that he is, but he does it with respect for the character. It's a really yeah, good no, performance. Not, yeah, he's great in it. Fran Drescher is wonderful. She's great in it. Um, it's a great movie. I, I I love the film. It originally was supposed to be like a, a Walter Mitty yes. thing where it was just about this guy with an overactive imagination, which happens in the beginning. Yeah. And then they kind of never go back to that premise. Um, And also the part of the best friend was offered to Seinfeld. He turned it down. Right. Yes. I we we read the same Wikipedia page apparently. Yeah. I watched some of the special features. There's a new uh, Shout Factory DVD. It's great. My one drawback of the film uh, is I, I'm sure they told me he had to have a music video, and I don't understand why he didn't do one of his classic parodies. He does this Beverly Hillbillies. It's basically just singing the Beverly Hillbillies theme to the tune of Money for Nothing by Dire Straits and Sting, and uh, it's lame. And the animation sucks, and it really bogs down the film right in the middle when it's kind of taken off. One minor quibble. The rest of the movie, I, I really love. Uh, he was pitching also, that's another little fact about Weird Al. He was pitching that Beverly Hillbillies premise like around. A couple people said no. to like. Pe- so he got it in his head that he wanted to do a song about the Beverly Hillbillies for some reason. He was pitching it around the song? Like, I read that he had approached, uh, it was Prince, I think, uh-huh. and uh, to do a, a parody of Kiss, but it was going to be about the Beverly Hillbillies or something, and Prince said no. Yeah. It's on his page where you read, like, the, the people that denied him. Right. The whatever. Um, and uh, what was one of the other ones? One, one of them was, uh, 
Oh, Eminem approved the parody of Lose Yourself, uh-huh. but didn't approve the video. Okay. Because he, I guess he thought it would be bad for his image or something. What was the What was the song? Snooze Yourself about hitting the alarm in the morning? Uh, you're going to be shocked when I tell you this. Jews Yourself. And it was wow. about converting Judaism. Good it was, Lord. It was kind of a... Kind of a heavy topic for a weird outsider. Very heavy. Not a joke in the thing. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't know what it was called. It was called like, I don't think it's a play on the name. It's yeah. just, he just raps it though. All right. Uh, folks, I watched a little picture called Leprechaun 2. Wow. Sequel to Leprechaun 1. The original sequel to Leprechaun 1, not Leprechaun Returns, that hard thing that was just released. Uh, what's the story of Leprechaun 2? I'll tell you the story. He, uh, is in a thousand years ago. He falls in love with his slave's daughter. Okay. His, uh, slave won't let him take his daughter, so he thwarts his efforts to, to, to land the daughter. And then, and then the Leprechaun says, in a thousand years, I will wake and I will uh, find my bride then. Okay. You know, they're just kind of playing by the seat of their pants at this point with these rules. Sure. You know. Anyway, a thousand years later in big, bright Los Angeles, the leprechaun awakes. And, of course, there's a girl there that looks exactly like the girl he was in love with a thousand years prior. It's sort of a Dracula thing. And uh, bad acting and loosely written plot lines ensue. Uh, I will say this about the movie. it You can see the effort... It's not very well directed, but yeah. you can see the effort, and I like that. I like that you can tell they were trying to make a, a fun horror movie. The kills in it are fantastic. There's some really? great practical effect kills. All right. Uh, I've had more fun watching it than I ever do the first one, and I would, quite frankly, return to it. And a little fun movie fact, the guy that plays Jack Klompus in Seinfeld is in it. Okay. He plays like a drunk that owns like a tour of the horror hills of Hollywood. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and he's like sort of the comic relief. And his death is really great. He he makes the leprechaun promise him that he'll he'll give him a bunch of gold. Okay. And the leprechaun does. And then all the gold appears inside of his stomach. So his stomach just starts bloating out and clinking and clanking it's 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 got actually some very cool practical effects does he explode i think so yeah i forget all right um but it's when did you watch it week ago that's troubling joe that i can't remember if he exploded or not yeah it was a week ago i mean look i gotta be honest with you leprechaun 2 is not a film you know it's not uh, the paper. You know what I mean? You're not sitting down going. It's not spotlight. You're not going. <laughs> I, I got to really keep track. You know, you, now, did you, you do other things while you're watching it? Did you point. reference as like the kind of movie that that rivets you to your seat? The paper starring Michael Keaton and Glenn Close. Wasn't that Tom Hanks movie that just came out called The Paper? The Post. Yeah, that's what I meant. That wasn't fucking riveting either. I just meant like it's not a newsroom drama you're dealing with sure. here. You, you, you get up, you walk over to the window, right. you go get a drink of water. Right. You know. The uh, paper, not a terrible film. I believe he does explode because he keeps going, get it out of me. Sure. And then I think his stomach explodes. Sure. Uh, I watched a film that I saw opening night in theaters 
one of two movies I can recall where opening night, me and my buddy Ben were the only two people in the theater. One was the now beloved cult classic Office Space. The other is the very little beloved by a very small cult Cabin Boy. I loved Cabin Boy when I saw it in the theater. I loved the cheesy sets and effects. And I thought there was a lot of big laughs to be had. When I was a kid, I loved like the cupcake flying up and spitting tobacco at him and stuff. I was just, you know, I didn't even smoke weed at this point. I was just, I thought all that stuff was funny. As an adult, I find that less funny. I find Chris Elliott about equally funny and annoying in equal measure, but sometimes he's so annoying he's funny. And what I found particularly great this time out were the four performances of the sea hands on the boat. Okay. Brian Doyle Murray, uh, you know, like just these like old gruff dudes. They were an odd like comedy team. They cracked me up. Right. I, no, Brian Doyle Murray and Chris Elliott because Brian Doyle Murray was also on uh, Get a Life. That's correct. Yes. I uh, I love I, I love older Chris Elliott stuff. His newer stuff. There's something. Eagleheart. It's like too, I don't know what it is. It's too adult swimmy or something. Like I, I don't know. But I like that older Chris Elliott stuff. I don't like the film Cabin Boy, though. I like the first like half hour. Yeah. And then once they get out to sea and it gets all like Burton-y, I'm kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I watched a, a pretty sizable documentary about it with Adam Resnick and Chris Elliott. They talked about just how absolutely heartbroken they were when it came out. And their agents were like, you'll never work again. And they sold a pitch like a tv pitch like bought it in the room and that they were going out to their car all excited like let's go get a beer and celebrate and somebody in the meeting told their boss who they hired a pitch from and they were like the cabin boy guys call them now and cancel wow so they're like driving to the bar and they call and we're like yeah we just realized you guys did cabin boy so the project's done jesus and essentially neither of these guys worked for many many years cohen brothers i mean uh, excuse me fairly brothers used them to great effect and kingpin used uh, chris elliott and something about mary but you know he didn't really get to do anything creatively just to, just as an actor and that that sucks but the movie uh adam resnick is like you no know, if it was me and chris elliott and we got our chance to do a movie we would have done a one million dollar thing where chris works in an office or something yeah where he's like a loser right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but they were like Tim Burton loves the show Get a Life, and he wants to do. He wants to get back to his Pee Wee's Big Adventure roots, uh, and just work with on a small budget with a with a comedian and have some fun. And Chris Elliott was like, "Amazing! Well, we'll write this for Tim Burton." So they spent forever getting it into this sea adventure with all these big sets and the abominable snowmans and everything, which is not their comfort zone. Tim Burton drops out, but felt bad about dropping out, so he goes, "You should have Adam direct it." Adam's like, I don't direct. How am I going to do this big budget action movie? Mm -hmm. And that shows, you know, the movie is not well directed, but I do think it looks cool. It's got a nice energy to it. It's very short. Andy Richter is funny in it. And I I just had a good time with it. I liked it. And if you've never seen the film, do yourself a favor, as David Letterman says in the film, watch it at least for the Letterman scene. Because the David Letterman cameo, the only time I've ever seen him in a movie and he, it's one of the funniest four-minute scenes I've ever seen. Keeps calling Chris Elliott Jennifer. Yeah. Which is the, the weirdest name you could pick. 
Like, you know, you'd think Sally. Beverly is always in there. Yeah, Nancy or something. But Jennifer is such like a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have no interest in this film, I'm sure you can find that clip on YouTube and it's incredible. I think the only time Letterman's ever been in a movie. Although he almost got the uh, lead role in Airplane, the Robert Hayes role. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyway, fun fact. Uh, sticking on uh, the course of the first film I talked about, I watched The Howling 2. Okay, I've seen one, but not the sequels. One is an interesting film. It's, 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 you know, it's a cool flick. It's not Joe Dante's best work, and it's certainly not the best werewolf movie I've ever seen. But it's a solid horror flick, and it spawned a series of many sequels, obviously. The Howling 2 stars Christopher Lee and was panned. People hated it. I thought this thing was fucking great. I thought it was impeccably shot. Uh, the director did a lot of really wonderful stuff with uh, flash cu- flash cuts and edits and things and, and these weird inserts throughout the entire film. The acting could use uh, a kick in the pants, um, but the lead actor, the lead female actor in it is quite good, and Christopher Lee, as always, is mesmerizing. Unfortunately, the head villainous vampire is terrible and the head male lead is really bad um but it's worth the price of admission for christopher lee for some really fun practical effects for some good deaths and it's just a mood piece it's it's very very well shot it's very well shot i don't know who dp'd it but whoever did knew what the fuck he was doing so go check out the howling too okay uh how many howlings are there there's like seven Oh, wow. Or Jesus. nine or six. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Uh, I think we're up to three or four fucking how to train your dragons. You think they think think they would have learned how to how to train it by now? <laughs> yeah, I love like I saw like a headline today uh, like how to train your dragon three doesn't bring in the bucks at the box office. It's like I, I didn't even know they were still making these fucking no, things. No, I, I think think everybody's about done. It's like when a new Ice Age comes out. You're like, yeah. they're still making Ice Age movies? Romano as a squirrel or whatever. Dennis Leary is like a mongoose. Yeah, mongoose smoking cigarettes. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> message for the kids. Well, he's not really smoking cigarettes. Oh. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's a mongoose with a toot. It's, it's right. Dennis Leary. Yeah. Right. I uh, dusted off another old chestnut. Goes by the name of Splash. Wow. Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, John Candy, Eugene Levy. Um, I remember this being one of those, and I've mentioned a few of them lately on the show, where like when I was a kid, it's like, holy shit, a movie with Eugene Levy, John Candy, and Tom Hanks. It's also rated PG, and there's nudity in it. Quite a bit of nudity. Uh, I, I just thought, what a dream. And I'd rent it fairly often, and I'd always be like, eh. I didn't laugh much. I know it's a beloved classic. It was a huge hit. Is it funnier now that we're older? No. It's very charming. I enjoyed yeah. every minute of it. Yeah, uh, that's how I remembered it. You know, Hanks in his prime, uh, there's almost nobody better in terms of like, especially a guy who can handle the romantic side and the funny side. There's very few better. He gets, and we don't get this anymore out of Hanks. 
That's classic annoyed Hanks. Yeah. There's a lot of like, come on, Freddy! You know, like, he's <laughs> yeah. getting really wound up through the whole movie. Yeah. You well, don't it's, get that kind of Hanks anymore. You never get it. I thought it was going to be Lady Killers, and then he was playing Colonel Sanders when I went to see it. But no, like, but League of Their Own was the end of it. League that of was Their the Own last time it? you ever got like classic Hanks. Yes, and a true classic John Lovitz performance, who yeah. will be coming up shortly on The Cool Kids, and was an unbelievably sweet man. I, I loved him, and he was very, very funny. That's good. Uh, I was doing his voice all week. He had a a line that we, we've all been doing all week in the room where he goes, he said a, a, a joke, and then he goes, that's my little joke. <laughs> and then every time I would pitch him a joke, he goes, do you want me to do it as me, or do you want me to do it as your impression of me? Because I couldn't <laughs> help but say the line in his voice. That's great. Which some actors take as a line reading, and they don't appreciate it, but he was very cool about that's it. That's great. I just was like, love it, sit up, man. We're not looking. We, we we want the hits. He's gone already, right? Or did you see him? Do you do, Have you shot? Can you get him a message? No, we shot it last week. All right. Worst week of my life. All right. Well, not because he's of in one of my favorite tales from the crypts ever. Oh, okay. I would have uh, let him know. He was, you know, he hung around, wanted to talk. He's a nice man. He's in an awesome tales from the crypt with John Aston about a, told him. a failing actor who gets cast in a rendition of Macbeth he's really it's a great episode and he's funny in it and then it yeah. also he's also great in the dramatic portions I love him in the opening scene of happiness some great dramatic work from John Lovitz at the beginning of yeah. happiness um, anyway what the hell was I talking about splash and uh, you know Ron Howard's second film after night shift it was a huge hit Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel wrote it who did a lot of the best movies of the 80s and early 90s a lot of them directed by Ron Howard but they did you know, Parenthood and uh, mm-hmm. City Slickers. They wrote all kinds of like, you know, classic but multiplicity, which doesn't get enough love. Anyway, Splash is charming. The romance is good. Daryl Hannah is naked a lot, especially for PG. The hair doesn't cover the boobs as I thought it did. They're pretty out there. Um, and John Candy. OK, he's very funny in it. He plays uh, racquetball while drinking from a can of beer, and then <laughs> that's a great scene. Hits he hits himself. And I watched this when I watched the A and E biography of John Candy, which had footage from his funeral that was real hard to watch. Uh, people just sobbing. But Candy, they said in this biography that he did this in one shot. They they had cleared like half a day to do it, <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, you know, we'll probably need about four hours till we get the shot right." And it, it's just John Candy. It's like, "All right, I, I'm up. I'm going to serve." Drops the ball, hits it, it bounces off the wall, straight back at him, and hits him in the head. And then he falls forward onto his face. So John Candy walks out, actual beer, and he had drank like 12 that morning. Actual beer in his hand, hits the ball, it bounces directly back into his head. He lands the pratfall perfectly. And then he was like, all right, let's go get drunk. Because <laughs> they had four hours free on the schedule. I mean, just uh, a dream. Eugene Levy's... All, you know, he's kind of annoying in it. He's got that old fro. The the greatest line in comedy history and film is in Splash. The little boat? No. Oh, Jay Okerson and I say it to this day and laugh hysterically. Okay. But when she shows up naked at the Statue of Liberty, the tour guide goes, Bocce balls! <laughs> that, yeah. since I was six years old... Like levels me. That was screenwriter uh, Lowell Gans. Oh, I didn't know that. That that part. Bocce bull. Yeah, 
And that's what always made me love the tour scene in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Incredible. I always felt it was sort of a little nod to Splash. That scene is incredible in So I Married an Axe uh, I watched, and well, I'd like... hang on. Oh, sorry. Now hang on, because right. I was going to say my favorite line, which is... Oh, sorry. Tom Hanks is knees to knees with this old sailor, like fat guy in a, in a tiny little boat, <laughs> and they're out in the ocean, and it's like sputtering along or whatever, and then it dies. So John, uh, Tom Hanks is like, what, what's going on? What's going on? And he goes, uh, I don't know. It looks like the engine's broke. I'll be right back. So he jumps into the water and starts swimming. <laughs> Tom Hanks is like, you can't leave me here in the middle of the ocean. He goes, be right back. I'm going to get the little boat. And then Tom Hanks looks around this tiny boat and goes, the little boat. <laughs> Incredible. And that is the old frustrated Hanks that you don't see anymore. The one thing that always bummed me out about that movie as a kid was the entire movie is overcast. It there is, is not a, a little sun- gloomy. Yeah, there's not a sunshiny shot. That They're always down at that dock with like where the fish come in and everything like it's a gloomy film. A lot of doc stuff, yeah. Uh, I saw Horror Noir, but I'll tell you what, it's on Shudder. I want to watch that. I think we should actually review it for the show. Right. It's an excellent documentary. We've never really done a documentary. All right. We'll save that. And instead, I'm going to jump to a different documentary that I watched. That's also about a 80s horror movie, staying on theme. Uh, Unearthed and Untold, The Path to Pet Cemetery. I think I've maybe I talked about this. Too. I maybe have talked about this on the show. Uh, I don't know that there's enough here to that we could review it. Right. Okay. Horror noir. There's a lot to to talk about. It's great, but um, and I want to talk about this Pet Cemetery documentary because I just rewatched it, and it's also going to lead us into Scream and in. Uh, I, uh, you know, look, it's it's a low budget, no, no frills documentary. Uh, you're not getting any Stephen King interviews in this thing, but you're getting interviews with basically everybody else that was in the movie from the man they had to hire to play Zelda. Right. Uh, because they needed somebody so skinny with literally no shape to his body that they had to hire a guy and then put him in like this bone makeup. Yeah. Which makes it even like that scene even stranger. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, um, I believe Patton Oswalt cites that as the, the scariest scene in horror movie history. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen in a movie in my life. I watched that. I watched Pet Cemetery with my friend Brian Peck for a sleepover when we were about 10 or 11. My mom let me rent it. That scene came on. We were white as ghosts. We were so fucking scared. And we made a vow to each other that we would stay up all night because we were too scared to go to sleep. Yeah. The, and we would keep all the lights on. And I kept up my end of the bargain. He fell asleep. Okay. And I felt so betrayed, and I was so terrified. But anyway. <laughs> you could have just stopped it. Well, no, it was after the movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was like later tonight, like, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, anyway, we, uh, it's a great doc. They interview everybody. Um, they talk about where Steve, the place where Stephen King wrote the book. Which uh, was in a was in a uh, a room that he rented in a, in like the local you know, was that a Coke book for him? I know Misery was it's his in that time, dude. It's like it's like late seventies, early eighties. It's way yeah. earlier King than I thought it was. I think Misery and Cujo are, are supposed to be like his cokiest, and The Shining was his alcoholiest. I think. Um, but he was teaching at a college up in Maine. They show you the real pet cemetery it's based on. They interview the lady who started the pet cemetery that it's based on. Yeah. And she's like, I can't believe it. My little pet cemetery became a book. Like, right. 
It's a really cool little documentary. They talk about what it was like on the set. Lots of love for Fred Gwynn. People can't say enough about this guy. Like, everybody's like, you just wanted to hug the guy. Yeah. Uh, hey, y'all aren't going up to that pet cemetery, are you? Yeah. With now, the kitty cats and the the dogs. Now. Right? That, that, that famous line? Yeah. <laughs> no, I you remember. Do, can you do a main accent? Uh, I gotta go. Uh, not on that road. All right. That's pretty go. good. I feel more like I'm doing a Fred Gwynn impression. Yeah kind of like your love it's thing it's not really that we're doing the accent properly right. we're doing the guy that does it right i always do a uh fred gwynn when i'm dri and I, this was a vine of mine but whenever i'm driving to vegas you see a, a sign that says uh this way towards ghost town road right so i always do it's in the vine i was in a rocking chair on a porch and i was rocking back and forth and i was like you teens ain't going up that a ghost town road are you last group of teens went up a ghost town road didn't come back down. That was the whole bit. Like the guy at the beginning of like a cabin fever type film. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Congrats, by the way, getting joke of the day on a... Uh, uh, that was cool. I, I hadn't seen that. Punch, what was it? It wasn't Punchline. It was uh, 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 some comedy club. Chain. Funny Bone, Funny which is, Bone, I believe yeah. is a St. Louis comedy club. But uh, or, or has, have you been played the Funny Bone in St. Louis? I have not, but I've played other Funny Bones. Here, let me let me do you the theme song from when I was a little kid that they would play on the radio. It's It's awful. <laughs> Here you go. Funny bone comedy. Funny bone. It's a comedy club. Jesus. You That's, like that? Like with that uh, that shitty like trombone voice where the guy's like, yeah. Mary. I got to tell you, you're in stiff comp when you're when to get the shittiest comedy club song. And yeah. That might have just taken shittiest. It's real bad. Did I ever talk on this show about the store and their commercials called Dirt Cheap in St. Louis? Yeah. It was this place, and unfortunately, it was before I drank, but it was kind of like a precursor to BevMo, and it was called Dirt Cheap, and they had, like, Jesus. clearly off the back of a truck, whiskey, beer, cigarettes, etc. But it, and So anyway, they did commercials from when I could remember watching TV till when I left Missouri when I was 23 years old, and uh, it was this guy who looked like he had been drinking... The big, like the the tall Jack Daniels, like the 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 one that like kind of weighs your arm down, mm -hmm. and it looked like he'd been having one of those every day since he was 16 years old, and he was about 60, or he might have been 30. He, like no one had ever aged more than this man. He looked terrible, like his teeth were rotten. You can find these ads, I believe, on YouTube. But he's a terrible looking man, and he he's the owner of Dirt Cheap Fun Funny. Insisted on being the commercials. And there was a chicken, which was a, a man in like a stained chicken suit, the yellow with the orange yeah. beak chicken suit. So it really showed the, the dirt and like that they hadn't had the suit cleaned. So the chicken's going around and then there would always be a big jugged woman, like some sleazy skank, Hope so. if you will, not right. to judge, in like a bikini or something. So then they'd be like, dirt cheap. So the, the, the chicken guy would go, cheap, cheap, fun, fun. That was kind of their hook. Then the hideous man who owned it, the hot woman would look at him and his face would be replaced by like Fabio. Then it would come back to the ugly man, which would actually make you jump. It was so horrifying. And he would go, come on down to dirt cheap. And remember, like he was out of breath, <laughs> the more of our whiskey and beer she drinks, 
the better you look. <laughs> so a pirate ran dirt cheap. That's right. All right. You can find it online. It's the real deal. I'll look it up. Um, back to Pet Cemetery, Unearthed and Untold. Uh, you know, folks, you get it. It's a fucking documentary about the movie. Yeah. It's worth watching. You, you get to learn some fun stuff. I'm excited to get to Scream NN. Uh, second trailer for Pet Cemetery 2019 has been released, and they have made some major changes in this thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. Starting with this, one of the things they say in the documentary that everybody sort of agreed upon, and also Stephen King wrote the screenplay for that adaptation. Yeah. Boy, did I hijack your uh, review, by the way. I don't care. Telling a full story of I, my childhood. I kind of had nothing else to say. It's a fucking, you know, it's a making of. Sure. You know? Sure. Uh, Worth my time? Yeah. I think okay. it's fun to watch. It's just, that's why I said, like, it's not one we could really get a lot of discussion out of. They talk about two? I've never seen two. I don't think they mentioned two. You hate two, right? It's, it's, it's dog shit. How's Eddie Furlong in it? How's your Eddie Furlong? He's, my Eddie's all right. I mean, it's, he's as good as you can be with this fucking material. He's, it's like, sure. it's dog shit. I mean, Clancy Brown's in it, and it still sucks. Yeah. Um, it's a terrible movie. But anyway, um, so Stephen King wrote the screenplay of the first film, adapted from his own book, of course. Uh, so I thought, you know, obviously he did a pretty good job of hitting the what's important of this script. Uh, or this story to, to, to get onto the screen. This And one of the things they say in this documentary that I found fascinating is they said what this story is really about is the secrets of men and how men destroy a family. You know, so it can be a metaphor for adultery or addiction or whatever. Yeah. But this concept of the man of the house ruining his family because of his own ego and what and i think that's tr truly insightful especially today sure um what i don't like have you seen the trailer the newest trailer uh no but i've heard it it just tells the whole plot well it tells the whole plot but right i've read the book well but here are the changes okay gage doesn't die the daughter dies okay the wife is there the whole time. Okay. So those two things right off the bat, you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, so... I get, I get veering, like if you're doing a remake of a shitty horror movie and you, and you want to veer off and do your own thing, great. You've got a, a beloved classic Stephen King source material. Why are you riffing on it? At a time when nobody can land a decent horror movie. It's Look, I still want to see it. I'm still intrigued, but I just don't know how I feel about this. Because the wife being there the whole time, there's a scene where the dead daughter, the zombie daughter walks up and he goes, hug your daughter. And, and the wife is terrified. You know, like the whole point of the wife going away is so the husband can execute this horrible deed of burying their dead child in this micmac, whatever the fuck it's called, burial ground. Yeah. Now she's just there or she comes home. I mean, maybe, maybe this, look, maybe the footage in the trailer is that it's when she first comes home and then she gets killed like it is in the book. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. I'm a little perplexed by the choice to kill the daughter instead of the son. 
because it sort of ruins to me the concept of from the original story, which is the daughter being terrified of death and not understanding it, and then having to learn how to understand it through her own little brother dying. Right. Now, maybe that's just nixed out of this thing completely. I don't know. There also seems to be this new element of a, a, a child cult where they all wear these animal masks. Okay. And it seems it seems a little stretch to me it just, it just doesn't seem very plausible to me what's so scary about the original is it is supposed to be this p- place of purity for children to find closure with their dead pets and then when you go past that place there's a so- there's a spoiled ground where evil lives and when you got kids dressing up in these like paper mache bunny rabbit masks going out to bury it's it's just odd right uh, and it's not something that I believe kids would do ever I, in now or then or any at any point. It just doesn't seem believable to me. Um, and then last but not least, <clears throat> and I hate to criticize the man. I'm sure he'll bring the emotional weight to the part it needs. But Lithgow said in an interview, he was questioned about why would you not do the main accent? And instead of just saying, because then it's going to sound like I'm doing a Fred Gwynn impression. Right. And I had to change something. Right. Lithgow goes, you know, we just felt that when you try to do that accent, it sounds put on and it's not necessary. It's like, are you (laughs) taking a shot at the Fred Gwynn? (laughs) Did you? What are you doing? Uh Uh-huh. I'll see you So uh, now I will say I think I read in Entertainment Weekly or some shit that Lithgow did say I didn't want to do an impression of Fred Gwynn. Maybe two different interviews, but I think he was given his props. I, I love Lithgow. I don't think we need to take him down. I'm not trying to take him down, but th- he did say this thing that, and he said he did two reads, one right. with it and one without, and they decided to go without. But uh, I, look, I'm intrigued. I dare I say I'm I'm still excited to see it. Maybe they made these weird changes and it works. Right. And it's this awesome new alternate version of Pet Cemetery. I mean, it's like debut directors, right? Or I think it's the guys who did Starry Eyes, which I never saw, but I heard was a really good horror movie. I don't, uh, I believe it's the, isn't it the producers from It? Yeah, but I think the director is the guy that did the story. As so, my fear is is that it's going to be another it yeah. scenario well, where it, it's like you take this really dark, deep material and then you, you kind of reduce it to like a fun, jump scary thing, and then you don't give a shit. Let me go ahead and give you what a one hundred percent guarantee that's what it's going to be because they don't look at the box office of it, Greenlight Pet Cemetery, and say do something different with it. They're going to want the exact same shit. Apparently, it too is three hours long, and actually, I was kind of like, "Okay, good. Maybe they're going to do it justice." And they're like, "No, we're going to cut an hour out of it, get it down to size." Uh, you know, Bill Hader's in it. I like the, you know, I I, I like the kids side almost as much as I like the adult side, but I, I don't have the highest of hopes for it too, because it's the same team as it won, and it won, folks, was not good. I look forward to seeing it. Uh, so I, I'll, the I'll be there that- opening night. In the way that I looked forward to seeing Kill Bill 2. 
Uh, oh, Kill, I, I remember seeing Kill Bill 1 and thinking, okay, that's pretty cool. Are you kidding me? I don't love Kill Bill 1. I love Kill Bill 2. Well, I certainly agree with you there. Well, I agree with you that I love Kill Bill 2, but I saw one. A, I had had a picture of Sangria with my dear friend Sarah Pontier. How you doing, Sarah? Uh, I went into this thing drunk as fuck. It was like 90 minutes long. I just thought it was so fucking awesome. And if it hadn't been the midnight show, I would have gone in and seen it again. But then, two, of course, a much deeper, more awesome experience. Who's the Tarantino movie? Two's an amazing movie. The yeah. first one is the Grindhouse movie. The first one is but the... But it's, no- so, it's so cool. Listen, it's... It looks incredible. The music's incredible. The fighting's incredible. I am not saying Kill Bill is on the same level as It. I'm saying, like, I liked Kill Bill just fine. But right. when I went in, what I wanted was not what I got completely. And I okay. left going... All right, man, that was, you know, I'd see it again. And then when I saw the second one, suddenly the quality of the first one jumped up immensely for me. Right. So I hope that that happens with it, too. I hope that they, that, that I see that and I, and, and I go, wow, here's the depth that I was looking for in the first one. And now right. this makes the first one kind of a fun, just little intro. What I'm thrown by is why... Uh, <sighs> They 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 threatened or not threatened. They they promised they were coming out with this Kill Bill the complete the whole bloody affair. Mm-hmm. Like it's a cut that Tarantino did himself. That's like the whole movie edit or both movies edited into one thing with additional scenes, and it's like a four hour the entire Kill Bill epic. And Tarantino apparently edited this thing, and it was rumored to be coming out. And never did. Maybe that's tied up with the Weinstein shit because well, it's, you know, Weinstein and, and him were pretty tight. Tarantino gives I, I'm you... I'm dying to see that. I want this. I want to be able to watch this right now. Tarantino promises things that are heartbreaking when he doesn't deliver on yeah. them. Remember when he said his next movie was going to be the Vega Brothers? I do, yeah. it was going to be Madsen and Travolta. I was like, holy shit! Yeah. You know, and then he never. He just never did it. You're like, he probably wrote it and it wasn't up to snuff or something. But um, Let's get to our movie of the day. We haven't even announced what the fuck it is yet. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I mean, it's mainly we're going to talk about the 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 '80s version. I assume. I've seen both. Have you? I have seen both. We can kind of cover both here. Yeah, I mean, I I find the original. I don't know a great deal. Of, I know a lot about Roger Corman, the man, and the uh, career, but I haven't actually seen many of his movies. Um, but the original Little Shop of Horrors is pretty fun. Jack Nicholson plays the uh, sick dental patient. That Bill Murray plays in the Frank Oz 1986 version that we are discussing. Um, and it's okay. You know, it's cheap. It's shitty looking, but it's got its charm. I, I think thought. it's considered one of the Corman classics, right? That yeah. would be on any one of your Corman box sets or whatever. For sure. It's got a, it's got its charm. Uh, it's weird. I saw the, I saw the f- newer one first. And wasn't thrilled that it was a musical when I was seeing it. I remember showing it to my cousin Dominic. And he was all excited to see it. And I was like, yeah, it's a fun movie. And then we were watching it. And he, and he goes, damn it, why didn't you tell me it was a sing-along? And I was like, you mean musical? <laughs> <laughs> sing-along, yeah. Uh, but then when I... And I remember I was like, yeah, I kind of was disappointed by that too, man. Like, it, I'm not thrilled that it's musical. But then I went back and watched... But then I learned that the remake was a t- adaptation of the stage, the Broadway show, right? right? 
And then my mom was like, you know, there this is there's an old movie called Little Shop of Horrors. Right. And I rented that and she even told me Jack Nicholson plays that Bill Murray part. Yeah. And uh and then when I watched that, I missed the sing alongs. <laughs> sure. It. it didn't seem right anymore. So uh it was uh not that enjoyable, as if I can remember. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but I I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. But uh, but the, but the remake I still I, I find enjoyable. Uh, you know, we 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 can start with the best performances in the film. Well, a I'm gonna I'm gonna say I don't like your tone. Why? Uh, because you're. It sounds very dismissive of what I consider one of the best movie musicals of all time, or sing-alongs, if you will. It, <laughs> It very well may be. Like uh, for for me, we're talking top three easy. <clears throat> it very well may be. I'm not a big musicals guy. It's a wonderful comedy. It's a, the songs are awesome, and I remember every note of them. Which, like you know, you want to talk about Mary Poppins Returns? As the movie was playing, I was forgetting each song as it played. Like there was no hooks to anything. Little Shop of Horrors is all hooks. It's uh, Howard Ashman and. Tim Rice, I might be wrong. I was wrong last week. I kept saying Bernard Herman instead of Edward Herman. Bernard Herman is the composer for Hitchcock. Edward Herman is the dad in The Lost Boys or the, the guy she's... Deanne Weiss is dating in The Lost Boys. Correction. But, um... Yeah, the songs in this thing are incredible. They're like 60s doo-wop songs. You got the girl group stuff with uh, the Chantels, I believe, including uh, Tashina Arnold from Martin. Yeah, Tisha Campbell's in there. Tisha Campbell. Um, um, I, I just, for me, this was everybody I loved in 80s film. And uh, they're all at their best. I mean, this is my favorite Rick Moranis performance by far as Seymour. The song Suddenly Seymour is a fucking banger. Ellen like Green, song. who I don't almost, like that song. Let me get that in. I don't like that song. I think it's a one of my favorite songs of all musical history. And I, I am a bit of a student. Um, Ellen Green almost never acted again. She's incredible. They, she's the only person they brought over from the Broadway show. Hey, where's she been? What happened to her? She, I think she was on like uh, you pushing know, daisies. Pushing, that's right, pushing daisies. But uh, you know, obviously she didn't have like a conventional Hollywood look. Is probably what what hurt her. But she's awesome in this movie. Steve Martin is so good, should have been nominated, so funny as the dentist. And, you know, it's one of his few performances where he really inhabits a character and, like, blows it out. A lot of times he's kind of just like Steve Martin or, you know, in the early days, the dumb guy. But uh, he's awesome in that character and, like, really menacing and scary. And his song, Dentist, another classic. I like that song. John Candy uh has a cameo he's hilarious as the very weird the weird radio guy yeah he's great you got uh jim belushi coming in for a pointless cameo and he's fine you got christopher guest who's hilarious in a very tiny early role from him the movie is directed by frank oz one of the most underrated comedy directors of all time also the voice of yoda miss piggy etc i love uh i love that frank oz directs. look it's a spectacularly crafted film i'm just not a huge musicals guy sure but that doesn't mean it, it, by any stretch it's a bad movie um it was written by elliot miles goodman uh who wrote dirty rotten scoundrels great movie uh, no, I'm sorry. He's best remembered for his frequent collaboration with film director Frank Oz, for whom Goodman scored 
Ah. Such films as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, What About Bob, House Sitter. Uh, for his score to Oz's Little Shop of Horror, Goodman was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Original Score. Songs were written by Howard Ashman. Both of these men are dead. Ashman died young he, from complications of AIDS at 41. That's correct. That's a shame. Because uh, he was he was hitting fucking grand slams. Dude, I believe wrote, is it Ashman and Tim Rice? Just says Ashman. Here. Okay. I mean Ashman also did like Little Mermaid and stuff. He did. Li- yeah. He his he collaborated with Rice for for Disney stuff. Okay. But not on Little this. Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those are some fucking hits. What the fuck, dude? That is, dude. Eighty nine Mermaid, ninety one Beauty and the Beast, ninety two Aladdin. It's pretty impressive. Uh. He he created the off-Broadway musical version of the Corman Show. Okay. So this this film was based on that. Uh, it seems like that's mainly what he did, and then he wrote some songs with this with this Rice character. Well, the only new song in Little Shop of Horrors that wasn't in the musical on Broadway is "Mean Green Mother from Outer Space." I like that song, which was nominated for best song. That would be one of my least favorite songs of the of the soundtrack. Well, of course, because you've got, you've got to be difficult and you've got to disagree with me. Uh, I used to mow a lot of lawns listening to that soundtrack, but uh, you got to shout out Levi Stubbs, <clears throat> the uh, lead singer, or at least one of the lead singers of the Four Tops, who voices Audrey too, and just a perfect fucking choice. Not even like a big name choice. Like they probably could have gone with Prince or Little Richard or something. Little Richard would have been great too, but it's just the perfect voice for it. Uh, feed me, see more, etc. I don't know. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend. And when I was a kid, there were a few movies I loved more than A Little Shop of Horrors. And it does make you miss Moranis. I mean, what a treat. What a delight. I miss him, although, you know, I think he'd be... I've seen him recently. Like, he, he went on the Today Show with, like, some cowboy songs he had written like wearing a cowboy hat that's all he does now he just does these music albums and uh you know it certainly didn't make me feel good i'll tell you that they were comedy songs right yeah yeah he had one but like, like gentle comedy gentle. One, yeah he had like a bar mitzvah one or something yeah like there was like he does like these theme comedy right. genre albums right uh what can you do? Uh, go see Little Shop of Horrors. Go see everything we talked about. We didn't talk about one bad thing today. And check out that Pet Cemetery trailer. I'm sure most of the Hellions have already. Let us know in the Facebook group what your thoughts are on these changes. I'd love to know. Uh, coming up in uh, future episodes, we'll do Horror Noir. We are going to do the Hills Have Eyes remake. Um, and, you know, some other bullshit over Well, are you going to watch Suspiria? Oh, yeah. Suspiria also is coming up. I think we're going to have a, a real nice conversation about Suspiria. I got to I gotta get that from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'll bring it over. Uh, let me add it, though, because I'm making a list here of stuff we're supposed to cover. Um, that's our show. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Uh, when's this come out? Monday. Uh, so March 29th and 30th, Bonkers Comedy presents me... At Top Golf in Las Vegas, two shows, one per night. Is that like one of those indoor golf places? I think there's like indoor driving ranges and shit in there. But I'll okay. be there. There's a chance Patty Walsh might be there. Uh, yeah, I uh, like indoor golf. Who knows? I mean, I mean, I'm not saying if you come, we got to hang out at the golf place all night. We can go gamble. <laughs> um, no, I was saying like, 
it sounded like you were saying I was coming to see you, but I was saying, yeah, I might be out there. I like indoor golf. Oh, I see. I get it. A little, little slam. Now I get it. Uh, my <laughs> my next short story premieres in the March-April issue of Penthouse. It is called Menu Change. Look for it on stands. Also, penthouse.com is now live, and you can read my past articles, uh, my op-ed pieces that I wrote for them. Uh, I don't know how many are up there, but a bunch are up there. So check uh, that out. And also, Uninformed Podcast with Bill Burr and myself at patreon.com slash burr. Thank you very much. Folks, I'm at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. Cool Kids airs on Friday night starting, well, actually, the previous Friday, if we're airing on Monday. Uh, we're doing like a run of eight new ones in a row. So be sure to check them out. Uh, great run coming up also on hulu and check out our fantastic instagram page see you in hell pod right yes run by emily florence at at emily florence that's probably not right uh i follow her but i guess you could look joe but uh anyway on the etsy page it's hog house it's the Hog House shop or store. The Hog House. Boy, we should really know this stuff better, right? Well, I know I knew the Instagram. You 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 dropped the ball on that. No, I said it's see you in hell pod, right? Yeah. They yeah. Said, yeah. It is. See you in hell pod. And then let me just confirm Emily's because she handles all the uh it, it's Emily D E Florence. Emily D E Florence. Emily D E Florence. Okay. Uh, oh, and thanks to uh and I do follow you. I just don't always know what you're. What Thanks it is, you know? to Joe Tilly for the uh, Frazier mock-up. That was awesome. It was disturbing, and it was awesome. It's awesome. Mine. I look as if I look like the hills have eyes in that in that thing. I mean, I don't look much better. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of great fun posts, audio clips, uh, fan art, which we always are just blown away that that even exists. Uh, check it out. The Hog House page on Etsy is where you find the merch. And uh, if you want to listen to the Patreon, go sign up. Joe, what's that address? <laughs> because the Patreon, uh, you know, especially with the Oscars coming up, we did a pretty in-depth and I think very funny, like one of our best episodes. I think the Patreon. Discussion of the Oscar films. I believe the Patreon is patreon.com slash WS. Y-I-H. And it might have the word podcast on it. Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know. We, now we need to look it up. This is if you just If you Google, we'll see you in hell on Patreon, it'll come up. But hold on. I'll look. I'll look. Now you have to. Okay, babe. Okay. Down for maintenance. Thanks, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, they really are down for maintenance, aren't they? All right, you well, guys we can't tell it. you, but if you Google it, you will find it. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support and love. Have a good uh, week. Bye.